I want to see what that dad bod can do out there. Not buying your banjos around the campfire. Shove them up your ass. It is football and other F words, damn it. And we're out of the bye week. And it's also not seven o'clock in the morning. So I've got a little more energy and I'm sorry about that, but um, we're ready to go. Zach Lines is here with me. I'm Michael Gillum, your host. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in. Titans are back in practice, I guess. Did they practice today, Zach? We're recording this on a Monday night. They did like walkthroughs and shit. Yeah. Like it, it wasn't anything. It wasn't anything crazy. We're, look, it's a Monday night. Probably shit that we are going to say that will make no sense on Wednesday. Yep. Like I, right before we recorded, I was, I wanted to go into this whole thing about how windy the Monday night football game looks like it's going to be. By the time you hear this, we'll know exactly just how bad it was. So bear with us, but yeah, that's right. Mike Vrabel's press conference today. He said that they spent most of their time just getting tested and in the building, which makes total sense. I forgot about that with COVID first thing they got to do coming out of a bye week is pretty much run through and test everybody. So I'm sure that probably consumed the majority of their day, but uh, Vrabel spoke to the press today. We're going to get into that in a few minutes, um, but we want to start off talking some college football because why not? College that's football, all I really want to talk about. That's it's all Zach really wants to talk about, namely because his team is going to be tattooed onto the side of college football playoffs for the rest of his life. I mean, Damn you ought Alabama. to know by now that Alabama is probably always going to make in make it into the college football playoffs it's it's happened a few times where they have or at least one time where they haven't they're just the perfect college football team and i love it oh god and on top of that if you want us to make you even matter i believe zach is against expanding the playoff am i correct oh, it's, it's in my thing because i mean who really <laughs> wants to see Michigan State, BYU, Pittsburgh, Utah, Oklahoma State, all these loser-ass teams play. Do we really need to see some of these teams play twice? Like, do we really, after all of the, pretty much the majority of Twitter, bitching about Notre Dame possibly being in, you put Notre Dame in the playoffs in a 12-team system, you may have to see them two times. You may have to see them three times. Does anybody really want to see that? I mean, does anybody would, does anybody really want to see anybody play twice saying the man who we the rest of the country has to watch Alabama, Georgia every year? And we may have to watch Alabama, Georgia again in the playoffs. Look, <laughs> I, I got one hand in my pocket right now because I'm getting out the wallet. You're not gonna have to see Georgia and Alabama again this year. I saved it for you. You you're just not gonna have to see them play again. Because it's not going to happen. It's going to be Alabama versus Michigan. And we'll, we'll get a little bit, you know, in deeper here in just a second. But I'm just saying, at this point, Georgia was exposed for the frauds that they are. Alabama saw I mean, they right did. through them. As I see right through you all who want to say that Georgia is some unbeatable juggernaut, which I have said from the beginning – and for a long time, I've, I beat the beat the drum on this. They are overrated. And you guys can all be forgiven later for believing the hype that is Georgia when their best win is a 9-3 and three Kentucky Wildcats team. Not in basketball, mind you. Their best win is a 9-3 and three Kentucky's football team. 
their best win. And sometimes you live, sometimes you learn. And this time you guys are all learning because you guys were all head over feet over this Georgia defense. I heard it all week. I, I just, it's like you guys were smoking the Mary Jane of Georgia because it made no sense. And it's a little bit of ironic that uh, once again, Nick Saban comes in at when everybody wrote him off, especially Dan Wolken, who wrote almost every college team off this whole week and destroyed Kirby Smart once again. At some point, you don't need to be calling the doctor, not the doctor. You need to be calling the morgue because the mortician is coming to bury Georgia every time they play Alabama. You people need to wake up and just realize that Alabama has Georgia's number. And it's specifically, you know who needs to wake up? Our own Easton Freeze, who doesn't even have a college team by the way. And if you are a grown man at this stage of life and you don't have a college team, who are you? Like you're at this point, if you're talking football in the realm of sports and you yourself don't have a college team, what the fuck? What the fuck? And you're going right, to come in so, here. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Let me to cut you off, but I am going to cut you off. Um, what is your qualifications? If you're a grown adult and you don't have a team, like what 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 do you start with? Do you go with favorite animal? Do you just pick a fan base? Like if you okay, if you Zach are not an Alabama fan, and the, the, these people are courting you, which like how do you choose a team? What's the first thing you're going to look at? Look, I I I would probably do this. If at this point, if you don't have a college team and you, and you are in your mid twenties to mid thirties, okay, so that covers the little bit of range of wherever Easton may fall in his age. Why not just go with the teams that are in your area? You could go UT, you could go Memphis. I mean, you could go these kinds of areas if you want. I mean, Vanderbilt. I, I said <laughs> teams uh, is what I said, not just you know, obligations <laughs> of people. A congregation. I don't think you want to root for a congregation like Vanderbilt. Um, you know, you just got to go through and decide. I, I don't. I don't know where he went to school. I'll be quite honest with you, but. I mean, obviously, he went to like some community arts college or something, I guess, because if they don't have a football team, then, then you, I mean, I guess that's why he doesn't refer college football team. But then what about growing up? Like, as an Alabama fan, we, when I was, when I went to Mars Hill Preschool in Florence, Alabama, I was like four years old, three years old, whatever age preschool is normally. They literally asked me, are you Alabama or Auburn? And that's what you're stuck with for life. Luckily, I chose Alabama. So, you know, there you go. Oh, God. All right. So we went off the rails. <laughs> Alabama's playing Cincinnati. This, this one kills me. These, the, the semifinal games are both on New Year's Eve. Have we learned nothing? I mean, they were just bitching a couple of years ago about how bad the ratings were for New Year's Eve. And they are slated for 3.30 p.m. Eastern and 7.30 p.m. Eastern, first starting with Alabama, Cincinnati, Michigan, Georgia. I'm inclined and, 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 and encouraged and intrigued to watch these. But 7.30 on New Year's Eve, do you want people to tune in and actually watch this game? Well, 
here's the thing. I am so glad they're on a New Year's Eve because I don't have to do anything for New Year's Eve, but then yep. sit home and watch football. <laughs> that's actually a great. Yeah, that's. I mean, I mean, that's but that's me. And I, and I get where you're coming from because it is kind of ridiculous. But you got to think about this. Most people are inside a bar and True. a bar is probably going to have these games on. Yeah. But I'm right there with you. If if I am the NCAA, why not do the night before or you don't want to do the day of January 1st, right? Maybe do January 2nd or whatever the next uh, slate of weekend games it is. Like if January 1st is on a previous Saturday, you want to do the next Saturday. I, I don't understand why they have to cram it in right there. I don't know what it has to do with. I'm sure some behind the scene reason that makes sense in this grand scheme of making money or whatever. But at some point you have to get it off New Year's Eve. I, I I just think it's just such a dumb time to have it because people are buying fancy outings. They're going to fancy restaurants. They're, you know, having people over. I know you want people to build it around this holiday and build it around you, but I just don't think it's going to happen. I think you're really just cutting yourself short if money and viewings are the bottom line. This is what it kind of reminds me of for the terrible analogy I'm about to make is People who schedule weddings during, you know, the fall, during college football season, and then they get mad because half of their guest list is sneaking off during the reception or looking at their phone or showing their phone to several other people, right? And then you're probably going to be disgusted by that. I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of people right now that are planning these New Year's Eve parties and they have no fucking idea that these college football games are going to be happening and they're going to want to figure out halfway through the night why people have got their phones. What are they watching? What is going on? That's exactly what's going to be happening. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a question, Lebowski. You're an Ole Miss sure. fan, noted Ole Miss, yeah. Ole Miss fan. They would have made it into the playoffs that there was a 12-team expansion. Would yeah. make it in the playoffs that there's an eight-team expansion, which I'm not totally opposed to an eight-team expansion. But if they were to make it in, would you rather them make it into the playoffs at the number eight seed in both those scenarios or – go to a bowl game and win the bowl game. Okay. I may be the wrong person to ask about this, but, but I'll give you my answer because I, I actually, I hate bowl games. I, I know a lot of people get hung up on the, these kids deserve an award at the end of the season. And I don't want to take that away because it's, it's why I'm saying is you're, I'm probably the wrong person to ask because I think that the end of the college football season is one of the biggest letdowns for 90% of the fan bases out there because they're going to go play in the Beefo Brady Who Cares Bowl at the end of the year and watch kids who are probably probably going to give mostly half effort because they don't want to get injured for the combine or whatever the excuse is, right? But again, that's not fair for me to make that assessment because uh, I didn't play college football and I'm not one of those kids who wants an end-of-the-year award. But um, I would rather see my team go in and, and try to compete. And that is my argument for why the playoffs should be expanded because, and here's the example I use um, Reddit CFB, which is the, the college football subreddit of Reddit has a Twitter account, uh, Reddit CFB. They tweeted out what a 12 team playoff would have possibly looked like this year. I'll just throw out a couple of the matches. Ohio state play in Utah as a qualifier to play against Georgia, who would have a buy for that first round. 
um, Baylor and Michigan State playing as, uh, you know, again, Michigan on the bye for a play-in, uh, who's going to play Michigan? Yeah, wouldn't you love to see Michigan State get another shot at Michigan just to uproot Michigan in the playoff? Or like, for instance, Notre Dame and Pitt. And I'm like you, I can't stand Notre Dame. The less of these idiots on TV, the better. But Notre Dame and Pitt as a playoff of who gets to play against Cincinnati that to me is kind of intriguing. And, and I'll back it up with this comment from Reese Davis, who did an AMA over the weekend. Um, he, he says that he would like to see it expand to eight, but only if auto bids were limited and subject to a threshold of committee ranking, not just because you want a conference. I'd like to see it, even if they expand to 12, at the very least conferences have to address how they structure their championship game. I don't want a five loss team making it in the playoffs just because they won a weak division. And then a ball bounces off a tuba and an upset and upset a highly ranked team is tuba ball bouncing a epidemic that I'm not aware of. What's funny is someone's got a video right under that says I may have evidence of that. So I'm going to go watch it, but, but all that to be all that to say this. I'm against expanding the playoff just to expand it because I agree that I don't want to see a bunch of teams play twice, but if they put some qualifiers in place, it could be interesting. And then ultimately someone posts with a comment of here's 128 team bracket. <laughs> to get well, in. So, see, yeah, that's what it eventually is going to get to, at right? Like at some point, where is enough enough? Where, oh, where, right. where's the threshold of saying that your team is just not fucking good enough to be in the yeah. top, whatever teams. and. I'll even say this. I don't think Alabama should be number one. I'll be quite honest with you. I'm an Alabama fan, noted Alabama fan. I really think that Michigan should have been number one. I think Michigan has some uh, much more impressive wins. And I think over the last two weeks, Michigan is playing some of the best football out there right now. And I really would have gone Michigan number one, Alabama number two. I would have gone Cincy three. And I think at some point, if you cannot win your conference, and I get it, SEC, SEC, and SEC (laughs) equals ratings, and all that other shit that shouldn't matter, Baylor should probably be in because they won an actual conference championship. And I I think they should have been in at four. And I think that's the case. I think that's the problem. The problem with having to expand is because the NCAA selection committee has created this problem because they can't get out of their own way. Did you see the picture of how they were even watching the games? They were basically in a Howard Johnson conference room watching the games (laughs) on several different just TVs on TV stands. I'm pretty sure that they were insignia TVs. I don't even know if they were Samsung's or Sony's or something like that. I mean, they were like, it was the saddest Fucking thing. I have never seen a sadder selection committee or that's it's like if Congress had to go into basically a dorm room to debate laws and all that kind of stuff, like utterly ridiculous that they that that is this election. And I can't believe they allowed photo evidence that this is what they were doing. (laughs) I I just think it's ridiculous. But to get back to the, the thing. Cincy versus Alabama, everybody's like, oh, well, Cincy's favored, and oh, you wanted Cincy in, and they're about to get steamrolled. Not so fast, my friend. Luke Fickle is a great coach, and this team is basically feeding off all the negative energy directed towards them 
and playing with such a attitude that is them against the world. And they took Georgia to the limit last year and probably would have won that game had their starting left tackle not went down during the game. And I think since he's going to play Alabama a lot closer than everybody thinks it will be, and I think Michigan is actually going to steamroll Georgia because Michigan has a really good run game, and I know Georgia's run defense is pretty good. But Alabama's run offense has been pretty hampered by injuries. So I really think that Michigan is really going to take it to them. And let me say this, Stetson Bennett sucks, and your quarterback can only take you so far, and it's he's not going to take him to a national championship finals, and he's not going to take him to the national championship overall. And that is the problem with this Georgia team. Zach, if we get Alabama, Georgia in the national championship game, I want a clip of you saying we should not extend the playoff because who wants to watch the same two teams play again? And we're going to have to open the show for a month with that. Well, I will say this. I am thinking that's going to be Alabama and Michigan because I I guess I married into an, a Michigan family or into she married Michigan, into like an Alabama family. Clan. Yeah, it's a whole Michigan clan, but I'm a whole Alabama clan as well. Yeah, That has to be it. And I will say this. The last two times these teams met, 35 to 16, Alabama, 41 to 14, Alabama. Yeah. It's going to be that way again this year. Alabama has a clear path. I think Cincinnati's going to be the closest team out of all three of them that have played Alabama because Georgia did play Alabama in the ACC championship. I think Cincinnati's going to play them the closest. I, I'm going That's to a hot take. I'm going to piss off Georgia fans if there's any listening to us. Here's the three teams I want to see in the national championship game: Alabama, Cincinnati, and Michigan. I don't want to see Georgia play anymore. I just don't, especially after that SEC championship game. Gross. That's Gross. what they do. They, they yeah. shit themselves on the big stage, and, and they get exposed. Like I said, Kentucky 9-3 and three is their best win. Give and me a fans, break. And your fans bark. I, I just, grown people should not be barking. I do like the this Spike is, Squad, though. Those, those women wearing the Spike Squad. Sure. They stole Maybe. it from the Raiders. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought it was pretty cool. It's like my irrational take, and it's completely irrational, by the way, about how elementary schools steal NFL logos to use for their teams. No, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care, you know, grambling skate state gophers or whatever you want to call your team. That's the Green Bay G that you stole or George's G. I don't know who created it first, but whatever. Make your own logo. Okay. Be the, be the gophers or something. Um, with all right. We're out of the bye now and the Titans have. Uh, we've got some early indications that hopefully they had a nice restful weekend. Uh, one of the first IR designations we got announced as being eligible to come back and practice was Julio Jones, which was a nice sigh of relief. And based on the comments that Mike Vrabel made during his press conference of like, Hey, I want to see him get out of the practice field and kind of see it for myself. I'm, I'm thinking we're going to see this man practice this week. And they made the correct decision to go ahead and shut him down for the IR. We'll see how the week plans out or, or plays out, but encouraging that he's eligible to come back and that they're talking like he's going to practice. Well the, well, the way they talked about it was how we kind of deciphered him going on IR. It, I, I'll say this. If the IR rules under the COVID era 
hadn't existed, he wouldn't have gone to IR and he probably would have played through the hamstring. But Mike Vrabel took and company, I guess, because I'm sure John Robson had to say too, took chan- a chance, put him on IR to just let him rest. And that's pretty much what everybody has thought. And that's pretty much what Vrabel confirmed is that, hey, we need to get him healthy. We need to get him on IR and just let him rest for these next few weeks and let him try to be 100%. And pretty much it's going to end up a big non-factor and a non-story because if, if that's all it takes is a little bit of rest, then we could see Julio Jones at the right time because that's what Ian Rappaport said. Basically, Ian said today on, on numerous other things that shut him down, let him rest, get him back healthy. And then he also said that Derek Henry's coming back, you know, before the end of the year, which we all thought. I mean, come on, before the end of the year, we all thought that. Only those people who believe that loser Adam Schefter didn't think that. And at this point, this is what we talked about on last week's podcast. You have to get everybody healthy. And it sounds like that is the way that things are trending. Knock on wood that everybody stays that way. Hopefully it's not like a give one, take one. Yeah, certainly. And we'll kind of get into this, you know, um, a little bit more when we talk about leading into Jacksonville, but, um, you know, you, you want the, the, the things, obviously you can't control over, hopefully all the COVID tests come back negative, but just how impactful was that rest? I got to think it was, I mean, listen, from a fan standpoint, it was mentally wonderful not have to worry about a Titans game on Sunday, but you know, from the player standpoint, you got to think from a mental aspect of you knock off the rust of a two game losing streak just by going into the bye week and be able to just clear your head of that. But also the the mental standpoint of just, I've got to try to figure out how to get this body that's operating at 60% or 70% ready to go for Sunday. It's nice to have that extra week built into it because it's it's no holds barred from here on out. I mean, we're, we're about to go through the, the schedule, the remaining schedule here in just a moment, but you got to go balls to the wall. Um, who are the remaining two that that came off IR designation today? Uh, Racy McMath, which is Hulu Jones 2.0, and um, Dane Crookshank, which Dane Crookshank is a pretty big element to get back for this team who's having some inside linebacker health issues. And I think that with Coming up in the next few games with the tight ends that you may be facing, it's always good to have Dane Kirkshank there. I don't think he's like some miraculous game changer for this defense, but it's always better to have that option of putting him in, especially when Jayon Brown, Rashawn Evans, David Long, and of course, Monty Rice went on IR. But when these guys can't stay healthy, you need someone like Dane Kirkshank to be able to step in the box on certain situations. So Vrabel also was asked, how is Derrick Henry doing at this point? Um, to which he answered, he won't be out there this week, but I think he's doing okay. Now, Ian Rappaport, am I quoting the right person, Ian? Yeah. Um, Ian <clears throat> had a seemingly uh, uh, innocuous um, quote today to where on video he was talking, major- I can't talk, mother of God. Um, he was he was talking about Julio Jones. but he made a quick little corp about what would Derrick Henry expected back this season. 
which a flies right in the face of of um adam schefter much to the chagrin of zach we know but um he just quietly kind of dropped that out there like he didn't qualify with sources, but he just made it sound definitive. Like, yeah, he'll be back this season. He's already qualified that statement with sources previously because that's what uh, he's true, been saying. True. I mean, that's the, it's the same story that he's been saying. He's not like Adam Schefter, who's slowly backtracked and taken back and made little qualifiers here and there about his initial stupid, inaccurate <laughs> statement. He's always said, and Ian has good ties in the Titans facility. And he's always said that Derrick Henry is going to be back sooner rather than later. And I think that he took a big old macho man elbow drop off the top rope onto Adam Schefter with that statement. He knew exactly what he was saying. It was a very calculated statement and he just wanted to pass it off. Like it was so not newsworthy to really just shove it in everybody's face. that They're all so stupid to think that Derrick Henry, of all players, wasn't coming back from this injury when you have Demarcus Lawrence coming back already. Like, give me a break. Get your heads at your asses. I'm a doctor. Listen to me. I told you that Derrick Henry would be back, and you should just listen to me. Thank you, Dr. Zach. I just love that you're so ready to throw out there that, look, motherfucker, I'm a fucking medical expert. I'm a medical expert. I know everything about doctor expert, stuff. Okay. Um, Mike Vrabel is never on social media and yet he's tweeting at NFL officials last night and just perfect Mike Vrabel. I really like this. Uh, and it, fuck, I can't find the general center just trying to look for a second, but he basically went right out of the officials about what defines a catch and Be- got it because they screwed thing. up the, the yeah. Travis Kelsey. Uh, they said, they said Travis Kelsey didn't have the time ne- necessary according to the rules. There is no time in the rules. It, yeah. it, it is it is a football move, and he made at least one or two football moves after catching the pass, and that's all that matters. And I love that Vrabel just tweeted the screenshot, and he even says that he has the rule book on his homepage of his phone. So you just he op- unlocks it, and he can just pull it up, and he took a screen. He went through the whole thing like nobody else knew how to screenshot and how how that all went down. Like. We could all tell that you screenshotted it off your phone. We didn't need your explanation for it. Apparently, he just learned how to do it last night, by the way. Um, I mean, look, with all due respect, we've got multiple members of the media here in Nashville that do not know how to use both Twitter and screenshotting correctly. Are you telling me you don't like it when uh, someone takes a picture of their computer screen for the injury report? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, no comment. (laughs) Um, Look. Here's the thing about Mike Vrabel. He's on the competition committee, right? He just got elected. I don't know if that takes an effect now or takes an effect next, if if it first takes effect next right. season. That's a good thing and a bad thing. And it's a good thing because he knows the rules, right? And he knew that something was wrong with that play because that should have been a catch. And he cold coaches, and he said today, he coaches the team according to the rules. But he also coaches the team according to how the refs call the rules. So it's a very important distinction of what he said today, that he he coaches his team all around the rules. Great that he's on a competition committee for your team. It's bad that he's on the competition committee because he is pro the taunting rule, which is the most ridiculous rule in all of sports. It is utterly ridiculous because I watch college football And I see people make hits and I see people make stops and I see them get up and get so pumped. And I'm like, man, 
I really miss that for the NFL because yeah. those, that's what you should be doing. And spare me that the shit's all about sportsmanship and crap. I don't know why Vrabel supports this. It seems like Vrabel, of all people who loves goading and chiding Tom Brady whenever he they see each other and who loves, you know, talking shit to Bill Belichick, you know, here and there and playing these mind games. I don't know why he's against the taunting rule. Of all coaches, he should not be against it, but he is. So, again, good thing he's on the co- committee for the team. Bad thing for the NFL that he's on the committee. And it kind of scares me a little bit that at any moment, Vrabel is trolling around on Twitter looking at tweets. I don't think he follows me, which is okay. <clears throat> so, all right, I've got a theory here, and I literally just came up with this while you were talking about that because I didn't know he was for taunting. Uh, there are six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 teams who have not been penalized for taunting yet this year. Tennessee is one of them. I think just what you were saying about, I think Mike is four rules that he knows he can coach around. And I think he knows he can get in his players clearly to this point in the season and say, whatever, I'm completely hypothesizing here, but if you get called for taunting, I swear on my life, X, Y, and Z, I think he knows that it it both pisses off coaches and players to where they're like, you know what? I'm going to get up and I'm going to celebrate. And I'm going to do my thing. Damn, damn the league and their rules. And we'll see if I can get away with it. Right. So I think that's why he's for it. I'm completely assuming, but he's sitting down there with a goose egg next to his team. And surprisingly, a few teams on here like Pittsburgh, I mean, we know that uh, Omar Epps is for it. I mean, we, we know he likes the, you know, the taunting rule. I think that's what it is. Do you know the team with the, with the most number of taunting penalties? LA Rams. Uh, no, surprisingly, it's the Chicago Bears. <laughs> oh, my God, really? <laughs> the Chicago Bears. Of all three, teams. Uh, yeah, out of 12 games, they have three for 45 yards lost. Um, the LA Rams only have one and we, we know who that is. Yeah. It's kind of funny Um, that, uh, I guess it's a play like you've been there before, right? I mean, you act like you've been there before and it's kind of, I'm I'm kind of surprised that Taylor Lewan hasn't had taunting penalty. That is (laughs) the player that I thought would have had it, but maybe the refs are like that family in Michigan who asked him to take a picture and they just don't know who he is anymore. I want to see out of count. Let me see. Tennessee has only been the beneficiary of one for 15 yards. It had to be the Rams game. So that seems odd, but yeah, that's got to be what it is. Mike Frable knows that this is a rule that the NFL is hard up about this year. They're going after it big time. So of course he's going to come out and say, yeah, I'm for it because he knows how to coach around it. But no, I'm glad he's on the competition committee. Yeah, I I think it'll be interesting to see how stuff moves forward (laughs) and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I I think one of the more interesting things about Mike Vrabel's press conference today was all all the Anthony Ferkser questions. I don't know if Charles Davis prompted this by talking Anthony Ferkser up for that whole last game, but everybody is really concerned about the usage of Anthony Ferkser and why he's not getting open and why he's not, you know, being everything that everybody pumped him up to being. I, I got the answer for you guys. He's just not good. <laughs> I mean, like, I really, I mean, none of these tight ends are spectacular tight ends. They're all below average. And I don't know why people are harping on this. I mean, there's a lot of stuff they could be talking about. And I think one of the, the things 
that a lot of people could be talking about is the uh, how much the defense misses Bud Dupree and, you know, they go into these deep dives and someone did. I mean, I think Teron asked a question about Bud Dupree on those stunts and twists that the, the team likes to do. And we got really good answers out of that. This, this fascination that the national media has that doesn't, you know, follow the team very closely. And then the media has with Anthony Ferkser, I just don't get anymore. At this point in the season, is Anthony Ferkser gonna, you know, come alive and change everything for this team? Like, is he the Super Bowl Jenga piece? Like, I, I just don't get it. I feel like that, and I'm going to ask Buck this. I'm actually, I'm going to text him this. Does the media get together before your little scrum and say, all right, we're all asking about Anthony Ferkser, right? Like yeah. today's Anthony Ferkser day. I mean, it makes you wonder. <laughs> and I will say this about the, there was a golden Tate question and it was the same question or the same answer that you would expect to get about a player that hasn't been in the league for a while. He's not conditioned. He's not ready. And for those people who think that he's just going to walk in here and do something, you're fucking dreaming. Give me a break about Golden Tate. Our own Robert Greenlaw at Broadway Sports has a great piece up. Um, Robert obviously is the one who brings you the terrible Twitter takes each week, which is wildly popular. It's a lot more popular than I thought it would be. People are eat up with it. They look forward to it. You had a really nice piece today called Coach Speak Translator, where he took the questions that variable was asked, and then he translated them to us as the uh, mouth-breathing plebeians. And the one about Golden Tate really makes me chuckle. Uh, here's Vrabel's response to the, the the update on Golden Tate. Golden continues to work with Rob, Rob Moore, on his conditioning, and we'll see where his level of understanding of the offense is. He's a great, you know, he's been a great pro. Uh, he's been engaged and locked in at every meeting that I've had, and I'm enjoying, I'm a, I have enjoyed getting to know him and getting to work with him and watching him. That's such uh, a Robert's, creepy line, by the way. I've enjoyed yeah. getting to know him and watching him. Very much enjoyed watching him. You, you've only seen him for a few days and a bye week. What are what's going on here? Robert's translation of that is this guy's been sitting at home for 11 weeks. So let's not get crazy with expectations. We're trying to get him up to speed so that he can start working. Uh, so he can start working the concession stands to backfill ratings when he gets promoted to head of security. Well, that's a nice uh, little <laughs> news drop about Raiden's promotion. Good for him. I just I, working I'm with, hard all season to get that head of security job. I'm with Robert. I, I maybe not that harshly, but I just if you think Golden Tate's going to come in and really be anything more than a slight minimal impact to this offense, I, I just think you're doing yourself a disservice. I think it was Buck tweeted out a couple of weeks ago about you know something about Golden Tate is you know a band-aid on the offense and i was like man he's more like a band-aid on a sucking chest wound i mean like the, the this golden taste i'm going to come in and suddenly catch two touchdowns a game or catch 100 yards a game I, I mean we'll be lucky if we see him on the field for a couple of series and he catches a 10-yard bomb well you got to remember i mean he was signed just before the t uh the last game versus the patriots and now it's been another week and the guy's still not in football shape and still not 100% ready to play on Sunday. Give me a break. This guy is going to be any kind of impact player for this office. I'm just, I'm just sick of it. And you know what? I hate to say this about a player, but I'll be so glad if, if he is not an impact player, because I'll be so happy not to have to hear, uh, but I can just point to golden Tate 
when Mohamed Sanu gets cut or when, you know, these random old ass football players that were good five years ago get cut, I could say, well, just look at Golden Tate. Same thing. And it'll be, I'll be so happy. I'll be so happy. Um, as long as it doesn't cost the Titans a win. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can check out uh, Robert's piece at Broadway Sports and also, um, Sean got another run. Yeah, we got another nice piece up at the uh, website too. 11 topics that stood out during Mike Brubel's Monday press conference. Um, come check them both out at Broadway Sports. Um, also, want to remind you 440, plenty of good podcasts. The Fringe Element, Gold Standard, Lame Street, Clement Country, uh, the Fringe Element this week will be talking about Bama, the playoffs, um, Gold Standard, um, big road trip coming up for the Predators. Lame Stream is going is to have Jonathan Hutton on this week. So, Good topics coming up this week on the other 440 podcast. Make sure you check them out. So what did we learn about the AFC this week since we didn't have to watch the Titans? Um, I, I want to get your opinion first, Zach, before I throw my piece out there. Well, I, you know how everybody says defund the NFC East? You might as well just defund the AFC because the AFC sucks. <laughs> I mean... Joe Burrow just went down. Marlon Humphrey went down. I mean, Joe Burrow obviously still going to try to play through a, a thumb injury or finger injury. I can't remember which one it was, but and he looked atrocious without with having full use of his hand now, and then continued to look bad without full use of his hand. Now he's going to try to do that for the rest of the season. So you might as well just count the Bengals out. This this AFC conference is just. And granted, we're recording this before the Patriots Buffalo Bills snow game, which what kind of takeaway are you really going to have out of this game? Uh, unless someone blows the other team out through the air, this is going to tell you nothing about the AFC. And it basically is what it is, right? You got a few pretty good teams and everything has to go right for a team to look dominant. And to win. And I really think that the Titans are still to this day the best team when they get healthy and full health. And I think the Chiefs are the second best team, but but they really struggle with Denver and another defense again. You're talking about Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. They were both, I think, under 50 yards combined receiving. It's been a, a rough road for some of these offenses. And so I think that a barely above water is the Tennessee Titans and everybody else is kind of just like, you know, trying to scramble to the top and gasp for air. I mean, Lamar Jackson looks like crap. He can only apparently target either Devontae Freeman, Latavius Murray, or Mark Andrews. Like, he looks like crap. Ben Roethlisberger can't throw a ball more than 20 yards in the air, if even that. Buffalo is, it looks like Josh Allen regressed. Well, maybe no more tonight, but they don't have a run game. So I, I just don't see a team built as complete as Tennessee Titans when they're healthy. That has been the key issue for the Tennessee Titans. It's not been anything other than a lack of health and stability on this team. And if they get right, and if they continue on the trend they are, I, I don't see any reason that they can't beat every team that is on the playoff picture. This, I mean, if you're an NFC team, if you root for an NFC team this year, specifically, you know, one of the you know three or four kind of sitting at the top of the cream, 
you got to think you've got your best chance to win a Super Bowl. AFC has won the Super Bowl four out of the last five times. And the NFC just looks like the better conference right now as far as just who's sitting at top. I mean, I, I think if you look at Arizona, um, the Bucks, the Packers, those three teams alone seem like they're much better than what the AFC has to offer at the top of the picture. And you're exactly right. Tonight's Monday night football game, Patriots bills, unless one of the other, one of the teams blows the other one out. What does that game really tell you? If you're someone like a Titans fan, who's looking for seeding implications out of this, of course, obviously you're wanting to see the bills win, but outside of a few of those teams that are still scrambling for top seeds and playoff placement, this game tonight doesn't tell you a lot about the top of the AFC. What it tells you is that the AFC is oh, it's open to anyone this year. I mean, this is this is the type of year that a wild card AFC team could make a run all the way to the AFC championship game. Because I just don't see a lot of difference between say, well, let's take a look at the Ravens. The Steelers are not a good football team. Ben Roethlisberger is so past being a good quarterback it's not even funny at this point and yet the Ravens just couldn't get it done against them and then to go for a two-point conversion and lose it right there yeah it's a great call and it's exciting but that was a pretty basic pass that Lamar needed to convert and he wasn't able to do it and that's just one example but look at the Chargers playing against the Bengals they made the Bengals look like jokes I, 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 I don't know. It just, uh, and then they stalled after halftime. Like, yeah. I, listen, I, I played against Justin Herbert and Keenan <laughs> Allen in fantasy. And I was like, it's over first, first half. They had like three touchdowns to each other. And then they threw like a two point conversion. Keenan Allen threw a two point conversion, Justin Herbert. And then they stalled. And I, I think that's the key. When you look at this Tennessee Titans schedule, they have the Jaguars, of course, this Sunday. And then it goes to Pittsburgh, and then 49ers are here, and then Dolphins are here, and Texans are here. I think the scariest, the if I was ranking these scary games, the Steelers would be just above the Texans. Like, I have no fear about the Steelers right now. The Jaguars, up until halftime, were playing the L.A. Rams pretty good. Yep. And the L.A. Rams... When you're take, when you're talking about the Titans currently in their current state and the Rams offense in their current state, I'm a little scared to play against these Jaguars. You're talking about Jaguars team that'll shut down Buffalo. They can come out and play. The Jaguars defense come out and play. So the Tennessee Titans defense is going to have to step up real big time this weekend. However, I still think they're a scarier team for the Titans to lose than the Steelers. Same with the Dolphins. They're on a big win streak. Hopefully, by the time we catch them, they continue their win streak, and then you it's really hard to maintain a win streak, so maybe we'll just catch them at the right time. And then you look at the 49ers. The 49ers are just a weird freaking team. I, I They are such an odd bird. I can't really nail down if they're really good, yeah, really unlucky, or just bad. Or average. Like, I can't really nail that down. To me, the 49ers is the one game on the schedule that you can afford to drop. You can go four and one down the stretch and still maybe have a chance at the number one uh, seed. 
you don't really want to drop against the Jaguars coming out of a bye. You definitely don't want to lose to the shitty-ass Steelers. You really need to go four and one down the stretch at a minimum for just a confidence boosting kind of kind of deal. You don't want to limp into the playoffs three and two or two and three down the stretch. You want to have decisive victories down the stretch. Yeah, taking a look at the Titans' remaining schedule, and again, I've been quoting and using this uh, New York Times um, playoff simulator like it's the Bible, but. It really has been a nice picture to look at for what you want your team to do and then be able to click and see what you hope they do. But what's interesting, the first thing that stands out to me is they had a, the Titans had a 0% chance of missing the playoffs now after the last week in the AFC and the turmoil. They now have a 3% chance of missing the playoffs. And that's only because you've got such bottom feeder teams that truly won't go away. The Steelers, the Browns, the, the teams that should have been kind of out of the mix at this point in the year are still fighting and winning against teams like Baltimore, who should be a top seed, but the, you just they're just not that great. But to go through the rest of the schedule, Titans, Jags, Titans, Steelers, Titans, 49ers, Titans, Dolphins, and Texans. It, you're right. The Steelers, to me, in the last few weeks have gone from, I'm not so sure about that game, that, that seems like one that might give the Titans some fits, to don't really, not really so much worried about the Steelers. But you're right on about the 49ers being a team that, like, it seems like you got to depend on what week you catch them. Some weeks they look horrendous. And then other weeks, like, this past Sunday, they just look fantastic. It's like Kittle couldn't be stopped for anything. Yeah, I mean, really, their special teams is the one that screwed up the whole thing. I mean, it's just kind of remarkable about where this team's at. And really, the 49ers were one of the hottest teams coming into that last, uh, last night's game. It's just, it's kind of crazy when you look at the state of the these teams now versus then. It seems like you may you may catch Texans at Davis Mills or going up against Davis Mills. Look, at this point, no game for this Tennessee Titans offense and this Tennessee Titans team is a gimme. And it, really, there's no game in the NFL right now that should be considered a gimme because we all saw what happened with Jared Goff and <laughs> Minnesota Vikings this past weekend. However, you should realistically expect or set your expectations for a four and one finish. If you want to be known, if you want your team to be known as a force in the playoffs and the lead dog in the AFC, you have to go four and one down the stretch with the only possible drop being to the 49ers. You need to take down all four of these AFC teams one by one and pick them off. Yeah, and interestingly enough, as I sit here and play with the playoff predictor, <clears throat> the 49ers is about the only game they can lose that doesn't drop them below a 50% chance of giving them the number one seed. And I know I've been such a, a, a stickler about that number one seed for the last several weeks, but the reason why I keep being such a stickler about it is, again, I mean, if you if you can grab that buy, that would be wonderful, but it's funny if you even if you select any of the games and drop them and have them going three and two, over the next five stretch, they go from 50% to 8% on the number one seed. The Titans just essentially cannot afford to lose a game to anyone other than the 49ers. Um, so starting with this week's match against the Jags, I like kind of where you were going with that. I know it gets cliche sometimes to hear about teams have nothing to lose. The Jaguars truly have nothing to lose. 
that rivalry is there and strong enough to where they would love to embarrass the Titans. And they actually seem to have the facility to be able to do it. Like you said, they were holding with the Rams for quite a while until the Rams opened up the spigot and kind of got their shit together and became the offense we know they are. But the Jaguars are still playing. They're playing better football at this point than I gave them credit for at the beginning of the season. Yeah, they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. And I think playing with a team, they're they're playing as a team that is playing with reckless abandon. I, I just don't, you're right. They don't have anything to lose. So they're playing without fear. And they're playing to just upset people. And the Tennessee Titans right now are in a bad spot. Yes, they're getting Julio Jones back, but you're still talking about a team that has struggled a little bit to finish games, but has also struggled with turnovers. And this Jaguars team is going to be looking to create fumbles. They're going to be looking to play spoiler and not be shut out by a division rival. And it's one of the most dangerous games on the schedule itself because of how the Jaguars team is playing. If you're just... Look, I get it, and I, and I wouldn't expect anybody to. I've I've seen a few Jaguars games, right? The Jaguars versus the Bills, Jaguars versus the Rams, and Jaguars versus Titans. You should not discount that this team is just going to lay over and let let the Titans win. This is going to be a hard fought game. Listen, the end score may not dictate the battle that was in the trenches all the way through halftime because I don't think the Jaguars can finish games. But they've also taken the Bengals to the limit, right? I mean, this is not just a, you know, Blaine Gabbert-led, shitty-ass Jaguars team. This is a Jaguars team that should scare Titans fans a lot more than probably what it is, because I see a lot of people saying, oh, it's just the Jaguars. You're talking about a team that's lost to the Texans and lost to the Jets. Is it just the Jaguars? I mean, at some point, you have to realize that yeah, it should have been that way, and you should be focusing on this team like like they're nothing. But right now, I bet you Vrabel is showing film of the Rams game, showing films of the uh, Bills game, and letting these guys know this is going to be a battle and to be prepared for it. Yeah, for sure. And NFL teams historically don't have the most stellar record coming out of bye weeks. The closest stat I could find on it from a few years ago was – just a little over 500. It was like 0.58. So that's not something that's going to make you jump up and say, wow, that's a hell of a stat. I mean, almost half of the NFL teams are coming out of the bye week and losing another game. I think it, I think Titans fans need to realistically expect the, the team to still pop, possibly be sluggish going into this week. You don't want to see it, and they need to win against Jacksonville. But teams coming out of bye weeks don't exactly have a historical, you know, just massive winning record. This rest has certainly more than likely helped the Titans, but we won't know until they take the field as exactly how much help it's given. And again, Jacksonville's playing a little bit better, so we'll see just exactly how much rest they got. Um, is, is there anything specifically you're looking for out of the Titans that you want to see them improve on? I mean, I know that's probably an easy list to go after after they drop two going into the bye. Um, but what what's the one thing you want to see that has hopefully changed with some rest? I, I want to see the the defense get back to form and create pressure and generate a lot of pressure. Uh, they they have to get back to that. 
but mainly I'm focused on the offense. I, I need to see what Ryan Tannehill and Todd Downing have built together to take down this Jaguars defense. I mean, with what they got. And one of the things that Mike Verbal said today, I think it was uh, PK talked about, will getting more people back mean you can open up the playbook more? And Vrabel acted like that was a stupid question. And, I mean, that's on Vrabel to act like that. But I look at it this way. This playbook and this play calling has been the same the, the whole time. And I said it last week, but Todd Downing needs to quit treating Nick Westbrook-Akine and Des Fitzpatrick or Nick Westbrook-Akine and Chester Rogers or Nick Westbrook-Akine and Cody Hollister <laughs> as there are Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. If you don't have both those players, then you need to be cooking up plays that play to the strength of the players that you have on the field, not the players that you wish you had on the field. So I'm interested in seeing if this team can limit its mistakes, limit the turnovers, and generate some plays through the air. This team needs some explosive plays through the air because if they don't start generating it now, then teams will never respect the air game, no matter who is in there. Because right now, everybody's keen in that Ryan Tannehill is the problem. They're kind of ignoring all the other stuff that's going on. And Ryan Tannehill, at this point, needs to step up and make some defensive pay for underestimating them. Mine is, and this is obviously a caveat to him practicing this week and going, but if Julio Jones is on the field suited up and playing Sunday we, we need to see a 100% Julio Jones. We need to see a top-tier Julio Jones performance to give some spark to that wide receiver group, especially, you know, missing Brown. But he's got to step up and be the athlete that they brought him in to be. And, and that's going to come along with some Tannehill presence as well, just like you said. If Tannehill is comfortable there, that that's going to help as well. But Julio's got to be able to step up. This is the – that was the point of shutting him down putting him on IR, tying it onto the bye weeks. That, that helped to get some additional recovery. But he has to be able to step out there and be the athlete that the Titans needed him to be. Our fans are going to start looking at Julio Jones of he's a little bit better than whatever the hell they got out of Clowney last year. And, and that's not maybe a fair comparison, but this is the time right now. If the Titans win the majority of their games, go into the playoffs hot, you got a perfect the, – the AFC is set up perfectly this year for the Titans to step up and rip their way all the way to the Super Bowl. But that's going to come on the back of people like Julio Jones getting them, getting the offense back to the powerhouse that we know it could be. And frankly, Julio has to do that. If he does not show up this week after a week full of practice and get on the field and do it, when are you going to get it out of him? I don't know that you are. Fully agree. I mean, you have to, you have to see something from Julio and you have to see something that, you have to see something from the chemistry from Ryan Tannehill and all these pass catchers, right? I mean, you have to see timing down pat. You have to see that they're all on the same page because that has been the issue this whole season, them not being on the same page. So I'm actively looking for this offense this whole game. Like, I think the defense can still has a little bit of breathing room, but the offense, the walls are closing in. It's time for them yeah. to react. Been a good show. 
we got we got to this like all of a sudden i look over and i realize we've been recording for an hour and it feels like we've only been going for 30 minutes um i did at the beginning of the or at the at the the during the show the length of the show i fit in 12 song titles for an album in everything that i've said so (laughs) if anybody can guess what album i was actively using in some of my sentences let i'll let it be pretty good let me know on twitter Literally had no idea you were doing that. Exactly. <laughs> what the fuck? Um, December 23rd, Titans are playing uh, the 49ers at home. Uh, I, I am putting together some sort of watch party for us, for Broadway, for you all to be able to come and sit and hang out with us. Um, I will finalize those details this week. We'll get that information out next week and start to kind of tease it. So, Stay tuned in. We'll get you those details out. We would love to hang out with you all. That's two days before Christmas. So you have literally no excuse not to come. Some of you. I mean, some of you don't show up. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) if you're going to come in talking about you want to see Alabama, Georgia play in the national championship game, I'm going to ask you to get away from me. I agree. Just Alabama, Michigan. (laughs) Just go away. Um, I I completely forgot what I was going to say. We would love to see you there. So anyways, thank you for listening today. It's been nice. We're going to go watch some Monday Night Football tonight. I really hope the wins are as awful as they look like they're going to be. It's football and other F-words. You've tuned in. You've listened to us. Now tell your friends and family that you like us. Rate, review, and subscribe. For everyone that's listening, you just been out. A Broadway Sports Media Production.